Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wiley, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we hear from people who like to have sex for both work and play in an effort to learn from and inspire one another so we can all get our needs met and make the world a more loving place. Our guest today is the filmmaker behind QueerCrush.com, where you can find authentic, unscripted, super hot lesbian porn directed and produced by real queer women. She is 26 years old, bisexual, poly, and partnered in a six-year relationship, and they are on their first year of marriage. And she's into pegging, has a beautiful collection of dildos, is a big sex toy nerd, and her most popular video is a gangbang cream pie. Not only does she also perform for camera as well as directing tons of sexy scenes, she's a legal courtesan, which means full-service sex worker at Sherry's Ranch Brothel. Welcome, Electra Rain! Hello! Thank you for that wonderful intro. Oh my god, well thank you for having so many wonderful things that we're about to get details on. I'm very excited to dive in. Can you start off by telling us if you had to rate yourself on a sexual shame-o-meter, with ten being the most full of shame and one being not so shamey at all right now, where do you fall today? Three. Okay. And does your three ever fluctuate? And if so, when? And also why? You know, I'm not actually sure. It certainly has fluctuated over the course of my life. Like, I think I probably started at more like an eight or nine and then had a really clear, specific moment around maybe 12 years old that almost cut that in half. And that's so actually maybe I'm lower than a three. Ooh. I may, maybe I want to change that. Maybe I want Man, I don't know. I'm so bad at like numerical rating scales because here's the thing. I don't feel like any shame actually around being a sexual person. I'll talk about anything. Like I'll do pretty much anything with anyone. There's just like a handful of kinky fantasies that I will talk about. It just takes me a minute to get there through some of the embarrassment. But other than that, like, bring it on. That's cool. Okay, so it sounds like maybe out in the world around regular people, it's not, you're sort of like, I'm fine. But maybe one-on-one with private things, is it like with your partners or or does it come up for work? It doesn't come up for work. When I'm performing, I'm lucky if I enjoy the things we're doing that day. Like, I don't typically have a choice in what we're doing. I mean, like, I could turn down the shoot. But it's not like, oh, what are all of your fantasies to do today and then as a director the type of stuff I create even if I'm performing in my own scene doesn't even begin to like border on the type of kinky fetishy stuff that I just have like a little bit of embarrassment about these days but it's also gotten much easier for me to talk about I also can point to a really specific moment where that started like in college it used to be like I can talk about sex but I don't want to talk about my kinks very much and I actually had a friend of mine got me I'm so like open about sex and things in general that we were playing. It had to be like truth or dare or something. And I was like, oh, truth. Like, why? Like, are you going to get me? And she was like, all right, well, Electra, you're really open about like sex and desire and the things you want and fantasies. But what's a fantasy that you are not so open about? And I was like, oh, shit. Like, that's actually a really good truth or dare question. It's a really good one. And so I panicked. And I ultimately ended up divulging my lactation kink that day, which at the time was very terrifying and hard to say. But now is sort of built in as my like, when someone pushes you to talk about embarrassing sexual things, go to that one. And then we don't have to talk about the stuff anymore that's sincerely embarrassing. Because you checked (laughs) off that box. Wait, will you share details? Also, I stumbled into experiencing lactation with a partner who was breastfeeding recently that's so cool congratulations thank you it was very hot but would you share the origin or like texture of it probably 
by the time I figured out that that weird wiggling thing was masturbating. So like 12 or 13 by then, by then probably, (laughs) but it's very specific for me too. It's not like, just like, Oh, lactation. It sort of ties into this like pretty intense, like almost like objectification BDSM type of things. And like, I'm really into like toys and gear and machines and like loss of control. So the idea of like, Oh, like you are strapped down and you're on the milking machine and like all you're good for is, making milk and making people come like the uh, whole like Hugh cow thing it's not just like oh booby milk hot it is a little more involved amazing i want to circle back to something you said earlier what if there were a day where you showed up for work or maybe ahead of time someone was like hey electra what are your fantasies that you'd want to do with me on camera what might you say Yeah. So that one's been tricky. I have been in that situation a couple of times and it kind of depends on the context because there's still going to be some sort of theme going into it. Like the most recent one I can think of is I showed up to do kink VR for kink.com and I figured they'd already know exactly what they were doing and they didn't exactly. And I'm really into electro sex. And as it turned out, this producer, so Kink VR is not actually made by Kink. It's produced by a company called Bedoink that licenses it to Kink. Bedoink shoots other VR stuff. It's mostly like vanilla VR stuff. Okay. But then even then, Bedoink isn't out there like making it themselves. They just like tap directors and they're right. like, hey, make this VR scene for us. So the person I was working with, and their name's Five Star, absolutely incredible director, was one of the like main people running the armory back when kink.com was still in the armory and when kink went through its changes motivated in large part by some people being shitty five star was one of the first people to be like no so all that is to say five star had all of the gear from electro sluts kink.com's electro sex website which is absolutely where i learned about electro sex and how i ended up with this fantasy. So we were able to work in like one of my favorite. I love the TENS unit. I love how it feels. I've known actually since I was pretty young and I was in physical therapy. And at the end of the sessions, they would put the TENS unit pads on my back. And then after a few sessions, they were like, do you think it helps? Like, do you want to do the TENS unit pads? And I was like, honestly, I'm not sure if it makes that much of a difference, but I really like it. So yeah, (laughs) it's just like relaxing and nice. I have, and mine aren't even that nice. They have way nicer ones. Insertables that connect to the TENS unit. So I ended up getting fucked with the TENS unit butt plug inside of me as well, which is like pretty cool and exciting to get to work into the scene. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for more details. But first, tell us, did you ever get any sort of sex talk, sex ed, or consent education growing up? Kind of. But not really, not really, which is a little surprising because I came from like extremely progressive parents. Like my parents know what I do. My mom and my sister wear the crop tops. My dad has helped me edit like demo reels that don't include my performing, but stuff that I've directed. So like very supportive family and like they don't mind my career. They don't mind that I like married a lesbian, like very supportive and progressive. I never worried about like coming out or anything like that. But so like sex ed in school, sex ed was literally just anatomy that's it for like years I think in eighth grade we maybe talked about STIs and birth control but they still didn't even say like to make a baby a penis goes inside a vagina like that was never actually explicitly said my parents did give me a sex talk 
that did include consent and like centering other people's pleasure and things like that, but also did not say to make a baby, a penis goes inside a vagina or anything like that. I think that they sort of thought, ah, this is the intro sex talk. Okay. And there will be more of a sex talk later. And okay. there was not more of a sex talk later. So it was just pretty much my dad sitting me down and being like, yeah, so. And it wasn't like sex is between a man and a woman when they're married. It was like when two or more people care about each other, sex is a thing they can do. And basically what you do is play with each other's bodies and try to make each other feel good. And it was framed like that, which is great, but it did not go over the mechanics. And I remember oh. after this conversation had already happened, hearing about how sperm fertilizes an egg and the sperm live in semen and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. So when you're playing with each other's bodies, like, how does the sperm get to the egg? Like, yeah. does it just, it just like wiggles through the sheets to get, like, how, that doesn't make any sense. So I don't even remember how I ultimately figured out the answer to that conundrum there. Okay. But yeah, the actual, like, literal mechanics were not really ever gone over with me. That's very funny. And it's, this is a terrible leap of logic, but does that have anything to do with you being a lesbian? No, I mean, I, I know mean, you're I, bisexual, like, but like, <laughs> right. No, I actually think a bigger contributing factor to my view of sex and interest in sex the way it is, which involves a lot of queer sex and the way I also see like, I can be fucking someone who has a dick, whether he's a man or they're not a man, but it's still, I still sort of see it in this like very queer open-ended way is because I am secondary anorgasmic. So I can give myself an orgasm in a very, very, very specific way that is extraordinarily challenging to make happen anyway, but nobody else can. And I am thankful that I am not primary on orgasmic. So like I have experienced orgasms, but that also means that like sex is not about orgasms for me, like at all, because literally it's not going to happen no matter what we do, unless it involves me lying down and masturbate. And granted, one of my favorite sex things is masturbating while someone plays with my nipples and talks so dirty to me. But that also just means that like a lot of sex I have doesn't involve me coming and that's perfectly fine. It doesn't mean I don't enjoy it. And so that has pushed me, I think, to mm. sort of always think of sex in this like different way than other people have. And it's also been kind of neat that like over time I've had a pretty significant number of partners who are similar in some way, or at least like even male partners who are like, yeah, I don't always come from sex either. And it doesn't mean I don't enjoy it, but it allows for this, like, I don't know, like free form exploration and things, which has been really neat. That's awesome. Also, I can similarly relate. I can come with partners now sometimes, but it's like, it's not what I aim for. And I just really enjoy the whole process. And kind of like you said, it gets more interesting if we're not racing to orgasm yes can you tell us what is sexy to you confidence is going to be my number one thing 100 percent. i don't know that i could just give besides confidence like one clear answer because like i'm a bisexual versus switch i am both an exhibitionist and a voyeur like my tastes are so varied of interest there is no one clear answer for me totally okay but when do you feel sexiest when do i feel sexiest that's also a tricky one because I think if we're talking about sexiest these days, it's probably in a lot of work context, like maybe even at the ranch, because I am making a clear distinction between when I feel sexiest and when I feel the most turned on, like being sexy is very powerful. Like I've always loved 
virgins because number one, it's like fun and exciting to explore and try new things. But yeah. also no matter what you do, it's going to be amazing yeah. to them, right? Like there's this sense of magic and wonder that is like an intoxicating amount of power. And I think that type of power is what makes me feel the sexiest. Oh, I love that. And just to clarify for our listeners, the ranch is the brothel where you work. That is correct. Yes, the brothel. Okay. But I would also like to hear like when you do feel the most turned on yourself, if that is different or distinct for you and if there's overlap. I imagine there's also overlap sometimes. There absolutely is. But also, to be perfectly honest, when I feel the most turned on has been kind of a complicated project for the last couple of years. I had hip surgery in 2019 and then almost immediately had shoulder surgery and then pelvic surgery. So it was a big year that didn't leave a lot of space for sex, like physically. It was literally like, stop it. Do not have sex. No matter how creative you're going to get, there's very few sexy things you can do with that combination. Since then, that and some like mental health stuff and then like ongoing physical health stuff, like like I'm having a hysterectomy in eight days because of chronic pelvic pain. So I have been in this really weird place with my own sexuality for a while where like I almost kind of feel like a fraud actually. Like here I am publicly being like la 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 sex and Mm. authentic sex. And like it's actually part of why I haven't performed for my own website since season one. We're currently in season five and I haven't performed for my own site since season one because I know that I will not deliver the type of scene that my website needs, which is this like, you're not performing, you're just having sex on camera. And I don't know that I could really do that. There's like maybe one or two people that I could do that with right now. So when I'm turned on is kind of a crapshoot these days. I like watching. I like being watched. I like things that feel inherently queer. I like group sex because you're watching and you're being watched and something is going to be inherently queer. But beyond that, like I'm trying to figure out what turns me on the most as an adult now too, because I also still have all these leftover kinks and fantasies from growing up that like are still accurate, but it's not all I want. And like, I was in sex therapy for like a year trying to figure out like how to grow past these things and be like, what is it as an adult that I actually like truly desire? And the answer is I'm still I mean, I think it's an ongoing lifelong thing for me. And I know that the more that I've gotten like curious about my own sexuality and what's sexy, the more it's like chasing a moving target because I'm growing and changing and learning and touching and feeling different. Here's a question for you. As I have gotten into my own explorations of the hierarchy, because I'm kind of working my way through all these different iterations, I have become more honest with myself and others about the fact that I have a money kink. Do you have a money kink? Does that turn you on? I didn't think I did. And then just recently on my most recent brothel trip, I was like, actually, maybe wait. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, how many trips have you had there? How long did this take? Three. (gasps) Three trips. Wow. But, okay. but I was no stranger to sex with a financial component, right? No, like I know. The, That's why it's so impressive that it, because I'm like, so even in all your years of content creation, like sexy content creation, you were just like, wow. Yes. Because I think it comes back to that same idea of like sexiness and being desired as power, right? And yeah. so if it's like, well, I am so strongly desired that this person is willing to pay this sometimes very large sum of money. And then I get to rock their world. Like there is, there's so much power in that. And that's hot. I love the clarity. I think clarity is so hot. And I think 
spaces where people love my full enthusiasm instead of getting terrified by it. Like, I feel like in the regular world, well, I wonder, since you are so powerful, you're literally electric. Do you feel like you overpower people in the regular world a lot? Like, yes, all the time. Do you find that you scare the boners off people a lot? Because I certainly scare the boners off people. My personal origin story, the whole reason I started getting curious about sex and got into kink and then started talking to everybody I could about their sex lives is because I got rejected left and right by dudes, by horny dudes as a young, early 20s, like horny girl. (laughs) So it was that backwardsness that also now when I'm like, oh extreme clarity oh you have this fantasy oh we're gonna talk on the phone for this long and say this kind of dirty things and play this kind of game I love it you know was there a specific moment in your recent trip where you were like aha or was it just sort of like an unfolding understanding during I think there was and I can't remember it to be perfectly honest with you it's like ringing a bell in my head when because like I remember having the realization but I don't remember what it was I don't remember the details and that leads me to believe I may have been stoned when this happened if I don't have such a clear memory. Maybe you were just getting deeply fucked or something. I don't know. And you're like, oh, okay. Actually, this is hot. <laughs> that is possible. Who that knows? is possible. I did real quick want to touch on you. You just said like that clarity, like someone knowing what they want, knowing what they're into is so hot for you. Yes. I just did an interview for askmen.com about the brothel and they cool. actually wanted to talk to me and they wanted to talk to a client of mine who, when he came to see me, it was his first time like ever seeing an escort at all. And thankfully I actually had like the perfect client and he was happy to do it. But one of the things that they had asked me is like, what should first timers know and what makes a good client? And the thing I emphasized the most, and actually Alex had said something similar, which was cool because I didn't tell him what to say. We didn't interview at the same time. They sent us each questionnaires. Something that I stressed is communication, like above all else, because so often you get people who, especially if they have a particular idea, fantasy in mind, but even if not, they're so nervous to just tell you what they want. Mm. And I think part of that is talking about sex is hard anyway, with stigma and shame surrounding it. Part of that is this actually feels like your chance to make it happen. You don't want to get rejected. So that becomes hard. And part of it is sex work is typically criminalized. So Mm. it does feel weird to be able to walk in a room and say like, ah, yes, I would like you to perform these sexual services for me and to have her then go, ah, yes, I will do that for this sum of money. Like, it's just like an open conversation with no secret codes. Like, I often have to remind people, like, it is completely legal. Like, you can just tell me, just tell me what you want. You don't have to use special words. Like, let's just talk about it. But it is really hard when someone is nervous and so they, like, can't quite or, like, won't quite share, but you can tell there's something that they want. And then it's so hard for me to be able to, give them that level of a fulfilling experience, right? Whereas if you come in and you're like, yeah, I've never tried reverse cowgirl and I've always wanted to. And actually I have a fetish where girls push ping pong balls out of their buttholes. I am not making that up. That is a party I did on my last trip and it was awesome. Wow. Yeah. Like it is so much easier for me to then be like, actually, yeah, I totally can't do that. I don't have any ping pong balls, but Walmart is 20 minutes down the street. So (laughs) let's get your party booked and then I'll chill out. Like I'll start prepping and getting ready. And by the time you get back from Walmart, I'll be all ready. And and we did it and it was great. That's (laughs) so hot. Did you have to worry about the ping pong ball getting sucked up? I've definitely talked to ER doctors who were like, we found beer bottles in there. Great question. I told him, I was like, man, I wish I knew about this because I actually have some toys that are like an oval shaped vibrator on a physical cord to the remote, which would be perfect. So I'm like, let me know if you're coming in again, I will pack that for you. I told him I would only do it 
if I could use internal condoms for safety. So there was Good. a safety okay. retrieval string and Great. he was totally fine with that. And the party went off without a hitch. So no <gasps> issues. The end of the condom stayed on the outside. I should have said that so that nobody is listening and just being like, I'll just put a ping pong ball up my ass. That's um, why I always you, ask though. That's my job. Yes. yes. Great question. There was a harm reduction safety protocol in place. Damn, that's such a hot party. Oh my yeah. God. Okay. Tell us in general, you touched on this earlier, but how do you define sex? What counts as sex for you? Wow. That is such a good question. And I actually don't know how to answer it because sex is an energy. It's not an act. My wife and I have had a couple of sexual experiences. Okay. For both of these, there may or may not have been psychedelics involved, but one of them was like really intense tongue kissing, but like we weren't kissing our tongues. We're having sex. And one of them was, and I know this is going to be like crazy. We were on acid and we were camping or we were in our tent and I went to get a condom because I love condoms. They're so great for everything, including like we're camping and our hands are dirty and I'm going to put my hand in here and whatever. And I don't know exactly how we ended up like this, but I was on my back and she was kind of on top of me. And all we were doing in the real physical world was holding the condom together. Like my <gasps> fingers were on the inside of the condom and her fingers were on the outside of the condom and we were like rubbing our fingers together. But I promise you, it was some of the filthiest, dirtiest, most incredible sex I have ever had. That's so I don't know, sex so is an energy. Hot. Sex is a state of mind. Yeah. I fucking love, I think that's a perfect answer. Also, what a cool, delicious, weird story. I love it. Damn. It's a fun one. Ah, wow. Okay. Tell us now, what are you loving the most about your work at this moment? I absolutely love getting to create content that looks like the sex I have often had in my personal life. And I love getting to fill a niche that wasn't really there and make something that like, I'm actually truly proud of. Like queercrush.com is the only lesbian site created entirely by actual sapphic folks. And as much as I like on a personal note, I am so excited that like I get to fill that niche and make that and be that and do that. Though on like a community note, fucking weird that we launched last year in 2022 and the position was open. That feels a little inappropriate. Yeah. But on a personal note, I absolutely love getting to be a part of that. And just anytime I get like any kind of positive feedback. It's really, really meaningful. <sighs> That's amazing. Okay. What would you say makes you excellent at what you do? I'm sincerely into it. In fact, I actually like had to go through this reckoning while we were working on season one, which season one are the 12 scenes we filmed before we went live. So as we were working on season one, I had this reckoning where I was like, is it inappropriate for me as simply the director. I am not performing or sexually involved in these scenes to be a little turned on on set watching this because I'm someone who likes to watch, right? Yeah. And I like wrestled with like all of this and ultimately I settled and I like talked to some performers and I talked to some producers and I talked to some performer producers and I ultimately settled on like, no, it's a good thing for your director to be interested in the content they're making. I am not hitting on my performers. Yep. I am not trying to get them to have sex with me. I am not asking them to perform alongside me. I am not taking my clothes off. I am not touching myself on set. Like it's none of that. I am very doing my pictures and the things that I need to do, but it is really fun and hot. And I think that like, I have a lot of experience in the porn industry and I have a lot of experience having creative queer sex. 
And so I think I am very well suited to be sort of in charge of this creative queer porn site. Amazing. I love that. Yeah. It's just about holding the boundary. What if they hit on you though? Does that, or does that just not happen? Are you also professional? Or what if you have chemistry though? It does happen. It is a situational thing, right? So like if someone's like, no, but like, I'd love to do my next scene with you or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll consider it if I think like it's going to be good for the site and I'm tested and all those things, but like, I'm not offended. It does happen from time to time. People also hit on my wife a lot because the studio is in our house and she is not really involved. She's not industry. She has like a very separate businessy type job, but she's like real sexy, like real dykey, super dykey. And she's got like really nice arms and she wears a lot of tank tops. And sometimes like if I'm not around, sometimes she will do the photos for me or if my main videographer is performing, then I am the videographer, but she will do sort of the PA stuff. And so we do get a lot of people hitting on her. I guess there was one even while I was at the ranch where someone had said something about like, yeah, Chloe, like your arms are really helping us get into the scene right now. And my videographer was like, ah, oh, yeah, everyone hits on Chloe. Don't worry about it. So I've also had, there was one day where like, I don't wear a lot of hats. I only got a hat recently because I live in Las Vegas and I have a horse. Like I have a baseball cap that I sometimes wear at the barn for functional reason. Yeah. And I came home from the barn and immediately needed to like start setting up the set and blah, blah, blah. And my performers and my producers show up and they're all like, whoa, like we'd love you in a hat. Like everyone's getting <laughs> on because of the hat. I'm like, okay guys, I get it. Like the hat will stay today. And it's nice because- a lot of the performers are my friends or have become my friends through this. Like the Vegas adult community is not that small, but it is very tight knit. And so it kind of varies where it's like, well, are you my friend? And I know you outside of this and we're going to be kind of flirty and silly in a mutual way, then that's fine. But someone I've never met before who is just stepping foot on set, I would never, you know, I might say that that outfit looks so good on you or something like that, but not anything beyond that. If they want to hit on me, then that's fine. It doesn't bother me or anything. God, I totally feel. I feel that way a lot when I do photography stuff. I used to do regular stuff. Now I do more erotic stuff and I totally relate. Also, when you feel the vibe and it seems to be both ways, I mean, oof, yum. I would love to hear the whole origin story of your career. Like you've kind of like hit on some stuff, but like fill us in start to finish. All right. You're going to like this one. So when I was in fifth grade, A friend and I thought that it would be really funny to go to boobs.com. We did not know anything about porn or whatever. We were just like, what is it? Boobs.com. Like, I bet that's so hilarious. So we went to boobs.com. And it used to be, it's not anymore, but it used to be an affiliate directory of porn sites. It like talked about a bunch of different porn sites. And if you clicked on one of the porn sites from there, then that web host got commission. They got a kickback from it. And what happened to be on the homepage that day was Hogtide, kink.com's rope bondage site. So we go to boobs.com and my friend is like, oh my God, ew, gross. And I'm like, oh my God, ew, gross. (laughs) And went back to it later privately Uh and was like, wow, this looks a lot like what goes on in my head when I do that weird wiggling thing that I'm only just now starting to piece together might be masturbation, but like I'm 11. So like, I don't know. So that was really interesting for me. And I ended up returning to it and similar things again and again and again. And I was like, oh my God, is there something wrong with me? Like number one, do I have a porn addiction? 
No, I simply had porn interests. Number two, I must be some kind of evil misogynist because I am so into seeing these women that are like being tied up and tortured and whatever. Of course, I'm imagining myself in their position, not as the one doing those things. Although I have as an adult realized how fun it can be to be the one doing those things. But at the time, that's not where I was. I was just like, ah, yes, me, these things. And then one day I finally saw one of the exit interviews where they talk about like, I like this part, this part I didn't like so much. And the 2257 compliance statement about like all models being over the age of 18, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait, these are just like paid models. Who would want to do a thing like that? (laughs) Wait, I'm someone who would want to do a thing like that. And this means that there must be more people out there like me. I remember this moment very clearly. I was probably about 12 years old. And that moment was hugely important for me accepting myself sexually. This is the moment I alluded to about cutting the shame in half. And then accepting myself sexually had like much more broad implications for accepting myself as like who I am and who I always will be. So that moment was absolutely huge for me. And I knew I wanted to give back to that. So I applied to kink.com on my 18th birthday. And every six months afterwards, until I finally got to shoot for them last year. Oh, congratulations. That's so Thank you. Cool. I've done a pretty significant number of scenes for them now, which is so cool. Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. If you are listening to this, you are probably like me and you love sex. And you also know that fantastic sex takes more than just a boner. But if that's all that's missing in your connection with your partner, check out BlueChew.com. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. You know, that's my favorite. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, No dealing with the awkwardness that exists because physicians are not often given great guidance about how to talk about sensitive personal things like boner softness, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. With Blue Chew, penis owners everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. And you know I love a good package. And I have to say, am I allowed to say this? It was very hot when I had a partner who I already had a good, trusting, open relationship. He'd been working on his anxiety, cutting down on screens, meditating, he quit smoking, he started exercising regular, cutting out processed foods, all of that stuff. He was just of a certain age, and I'll just say... The night that he told me he was making his package arrive, it was a very super hot extra layer of turn-on for me personally. So if it's for you, this is a super convenient resource. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com, chew it, and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. But I never in a million years thought that I would be a porn star. It was more just like a bucket list thing. Like I went to school to be a forensic scientist, you know, and like that was like my whole everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I studied physics and linguistics at Northwestern with the intent of being a forensic scientist. I interned doing interview and interrogation and then as a cold case investigator. And then I decided I couldn't work with cops anymore. But that was my like plan. So by the time I was 19, I finally got a site to hire me. The company is called Intersec. They were actually the first fetish porn site before kink.com, but it's much more intense. It's like 
They kind of just tie you up and beat you in a warehouse for a long time. But oh they flew me out to do two scenes in 2015. I ended up doing another one for them in 2016. And then I lived in Chicago. I already had tattoos. I wasn't as like fit as I am now. And I wasn't getting more work. And I was like, that's cool. Like I did it. I did porn. I also through porn met this woman. Her name is Kuran Mehraban. She's so cool. My boyfriend from high school went to UC Berkeley. So I was out in the Bay Area all the time visiting him. And UC Berkeley has a column for their student newspaper called Sex on Tuesday. And every semester, a different student writes Sex on Tuesday. And so back then, it happened to be this incredible woman who was a Berkeley student and also a stripper in San Francisco. And I was a Northwestern student and also was doing porn. And she wrote these incredible articles. They're still out there. I think she was going by Trixie, her like American name, when she published them. So can look them up. And I wrote to her when I was coming out there to film another scene. I was like, hey, like I am a student and I do porn, but a lot of what you wrote really resonated with me as like a student slash sex worker. And I would love to take you for lunch or coffee or something. And she was like, not only would I love to meet you, my roommates and I have a spare bedroom if you'd like. So I stayed with her for two or three weeks. She did my makeup to go audition at her club. I like took the Bart by myself in like lashes and I had never worn top eyeliner before. I had only ever done like emo waterline makeup. I had okay. never worn foundation. I literally didn't recognize myself. Did not get hired at her club, but realized I loved it. That was all kind of a tangent. I started dancing in college and absolutely oh, wow. fell in love. So I was like, cool. Like I don't need, like I did porn. I did it. I did what I set out to do. And then I graduated college. I did the cold case thing for a while. Then I switched to working in localization, which is kind of like translation for documents used in clinical drug trials. And I was still dancing. And then in 2019, I had the three surgeries. I was back in the strip. Oh, and, and I racked up 10K in medical debt from the three surgeries. Whoa. In 2020, I was back in the strip club for one week. And then COVID happened. And fortunately, like I was already working remotely for my day job. And it was enough to live off of, but it was not enough to pay off the medical debt. So I hopped on the OnlyFans train like everybody else. Yeah. And made a friend who connected me to her agent. And then I kind of bounced around between agents before I settled on mine, whom I actually sincerely really love. I was like, I'm only going to be with an agent as long as I need to, to make the connections. And then I'm going independent. Love my agent. I will be with my agent the entire time I am an adult. And then in March of 21, I quit my day job to do adult full time. In October of 21, I moved to Vegas for my career. Just about a year ago, I started directing and we launched the website last September. So that's been, there it all is. That's so fucking cool. Is it even possible for you to tell us what a day or week or month in the life is like for you? Or kind of maybe give us the different snippets if you're at the brothel versus if you're on set versus if you're just like doing life? Yeah, I can try because it does. You're right. It does change a lot. And that's actually one of the things. It's one of my favorite parts about my job overall. I am not someone who can have every day look the same. Even if it's a really good day, copy and paste, I can't do it. I need <laughs> variety. I need diversity. I don't need to feel like I have control over my life. Like because of childhood things, I am very like, ugh, like I need, so I don't handle like a regular schedule very well or anything. So the fact that like my days and my weeks are always completely different. It's very fun and exciting to me. When I'm at the brothel, I typically wake up around like eight-ish. Normally, like I don't set an alarm. I get up when I get up because we are on call 24-7. So it's very interesting because in some ways, going to the brothel is like going on vacation. I have significantly fewer responsibilities. I can just order whatever I want from the kitchen whenever. There's a 24-hour 
gorgeous pool and hot tub with a waterfall that's like topless allowed, like anytime you want, surrounded by professionally beautiful women who all want to be your friend for the most part. Like you're getting like tons of free champagne, like some incredible vacation. But in other ways, you're working the most you ever do because you are on call 24 seven. Like this Mm. past tour, six times. I had two nights where I was woken up for a request twice in the night and another two nights where it happened once. It's very interesting. So I typically get up like around eight. I'd like to try to be in the bar. Sherry's is one of the only question mark brothels that has like a bar hustle where you can like hang out in the bar and talk to clients somewhat like a strip club and see if they're interested in you and then go back to your room. A lot of the houses don't have that. A lot of them, the clients have to just like request a lineup and they pick based off of looks, but we have a bar hustle. So I like to be in the bar by like 9am. Not a lot of people come in that early, but the people that come in during the day almost always end up booking with the first or second girl they talk to. So I like to be like right in the bar, right available. And oftentimes I'll get a really good booking like before 1 p.m. just because I happen to be in the right place at the right time. And then I personally spend a lot of time in the bar while I'm there. I like bring books or I have a tablet and I like get work done and I just hang out in the bar and talk to people. If I do get a really good booking, then I get a lot more chill with the rest of my day and will spend a lot more time by the pool. I also typically have like a list of custom videos I need to get filmed. While I'm there, I set up a little like recurring to-do list, my routine list that is like stuff I try to do every day. This is true whether I'm at the brothel or not, but I need the reminder on my phone while I'm there. I start every day by meditating and having what I call power juice. Power juice is a scoop of Metamucil fiber and a scoop of electrolytes in a tall glass of water. And sometimes like when I do conventions or I'm traveling, anytime I'm around a lot of strangers, I turn it into power juice plus which is power juice that also has an emergency packet in it. On my list, I have every day like, okay, meditate, have power juice, make sure you take all of your meds. I do this like nervous system work that basically amounts to just like thinking about your body parts a lot. Mm. So I try to do 20 minutes of that every day. I try to read a certain amount. And then I have like all my social media accounts that need to be updated. And so like many of these things I can do while I'm in the bar. But I just try to like get my to-do list done. I usually go to bed. Between 10 and midnight, depending on how the day has gone, sometimes I end up later, but it really does vary because you never know like when you might have an appointment, when someone might come in and request you, when there might suddenly be a lineup and you need to race to get in line with everyone because you only have a certain amount of time to make a lineup. But it's really fun. And I try to spend time with like the other girls that are so cool. Like they're so cool. You think because it is more competitive than like a strip club, like just very literally. Because like at a strip club, just because a guy gets two dances from you doesn't mean he's like done. He very well may get two dances from everybody. He might even do two different VIP rooms. That happens all the time. Or he might do 10 dances with somebody and then a VIP with somebody else. Typically at the brothel, once a client parties, like has a booking, they're not likely to party again, at least not that day. Sometimes we get like hotel guests and they'll do multiple ones, but typically they just do like one party a day. So it is competitive in the sense that like whomever gets the client gets the client. Okay. But it doesn't feel that way. Like talking and hanging out with the other girls does not feel competitive at all. Everybody is like very supportive and fun and cares about each other. Like recently I had a friend come out there for her first week and I told her in advance, it was like, yeah, everybody I met there, all the other ladies have ranged from fine to amazing. Like the <laughs> worst end of the That's spectrum, the like worst girl you're going to meet there is absolutely fine. Like Great. no qualms at all. Just don't know her kind of keeps to herself. 
up to like, oh my God, incredible, like want to hang out with them all the time type of people. Okay. So what about when you're not at Sherry's? Like, do you have a schedule? Do you keep a schedule? Do you let it be crazy? Do you kind of like back I let it be shoes? crazy. You let it be crazy? <laughs> yeah, I do. It's different every day. In a perfect world, we would be shooting three days a month for Queer Crush, two scenes each of those days. Okay. So we'd be producing six scenes, but releasing four scenes. But in reality, we get a lot of cancellations and reschedules, like a lot of cancellations yeah. and reschedules. And then we also go through these weird periods where it's like, it's the holidays and then it's convention season. So we're not shooting for five weeks or yeah. I am about to have a hysterectomy. And they said like, don't get out of bed too much for two weeks. So we have to take some time off or whatever. So I kind of just try to shoot like as much as people are available around the holidays. We almost ran out of content. I took one week off for Christmas, I figured, like, if there's no new release right on Christmas, nobody's going to be bad at us. And we, like, just made it that way. <laughs> so I don't I don't want to end up in that place again. We probably have, like, 10 scenes sitting in the queue right now. We release one a week. I would like to, you know, continue growing that. It's also hard because I don't necessarily know when I'm going to have a shoot as a performer. The porn industry moves really quickly. It is rare that a shoot is booked more than two weeks in advance. Sometimes okay. you find out the day before. So there is an amount of craziness there. Normally, I try to do Pilates four days a week. So a lot of days I will like get up at eight, meditate, have power juice, respond to emails, and then make either like a 9 a.m. or a 10 a.m. Pilates class. And then it really just depends. I try to see my horse at least six days a week. He's like most of my life outside of work. Mm -hmm. And then otherwise, it really just depends like work-wise what's going on. I definitely am one of those people that like, you see the memes go around that's like, I didn't want to work a nine to five job. So now I work 24 seven. And that's like kind <laughs> Relatable. of relatable. Yeah. Although I will say my wife has much more of a normal people schedule, like an eight to four type of thing. Okay. And that has been really good for me because it has encouraged me to take a lot more evenings off than I otherwise would have. Like, it's really interesting. Last summer, she went home to Chicago for like 10 days when I was still here. And that was the first time I had been home alone that long since we moved in together because she doesn't do a lot of solo traveling. Usually either I am solo traveling or we're traveling together. And that week was really great, but it was also like, I get up and I do a bunch of work and then I take a nap and then I go see my horse and then I do a bunch more work and then I eat a snack and then I do a bunch more work. And so I am like, there's breaks in there, but there's work in my schedule from getting up until going to bed. Is this your schedule? Is that the <laughs> face I'm seeing? <laughs> yes. I'm literally like a few days ago, I was thinking, Oh, maybe I should get a relationship so that I take more breaks from work. But I literally fluctuate between like, oh, that person's taking my time. And actually, I have a wonderful lover, I guess, is the way to say it. But yeah, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the whole evenings, like having evenings free to be with her, I think has been really good to me. Yeah. Every once in a while, I do get frustrated, which is so silly because if I was like, hey, you know what? I'm really busy. Like, I'll be home, but I don't really know if I'm going to see you. I need to just like work tonight. Yeah. She'd be like, oh, okay, bummed I won't see you, but let me know if there's anything I can do to help. But for some reason inside, I'm still like, ah. So like, I try not to have that happen too much. I really feel that way. When I used to be in relationships back in my early 20s, I definitely would like feel like I was like, you know, getting to the end of the day and I earned the reward of seeing the person. And now I actually really like knowing that I'm going to see someone every week or so, you know, I think that's really juicy. Although I'm not like bonded to a person and don't have that kind of like right daily thing. How is it to be with someone who 
it sounds like is wildly supportive, but also is living in the regular world. That is extremely accurate. She is wildly supportive and like not at all involved. It's interesting. I don't know. It feels really special because I don't know a lot of people who aren't involved and could be this level of supportive. Like I know people online love to hate on like guys who are like, I could never date a girl with an OnlyFans. I don't really understand the hate. I think like if you know that dating a sex worker isn't going to work for you, that's super valid and actually like super healthy to know versus like trying to make it work. And it just not like, that's one of the reasons my last relationship ended. We're actually still pretty good friends. I'm going to see him in August and then we're going camping next year. But it didn't work out because I knew we started dating when I was 17. And I was like, when I turn 18, I'm applying to do porn. And he was like, um, I don't really like that. Like, I mean, do what you want to do. He didn't try to like stop me, but it was pretty clear that it made him unhappy. And then he went to UC Berkeley and I was like, guess what? I finally got booked to do porn and they're flying me to Oakland and they're putting me up in a hotel in Emeryville. And they said that you can come stay at the hotel with me. And so I'll get paid and then I'll come stay with you through the weekend. And he's like, well, I'm really glad that I'm going to get to see you. And he's like trying his damnedest to be supportive. He really, truly did. But it was just not a good fit for him. And like, that's okay, actually. He was as good of a partner as he possibly could have been, considering it wasn't a good fit for him. He tried to be supportive. He like mentally understood that it was work and not cheating and all of these things. And even then, like, it was still really, really hard. And not to say that it's 100% easy 100% of the time with my current partner, but I feel really lucky. I'm really, really, really fortunate. That's amazing. I mean, to be fair, I don't hear of any relationships that are 100% perfect. Just so far, I haven't come across those. (laughs) But it sounds like you got a good setup. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor. And they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice. So I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know the Flora app is a safe place to open up, embrace your desires, and find like-minded people? This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities, all thanks to Flora. As life's routines settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories, so they downloaded Flora and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Fleur's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages, until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Floor app celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Floor invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Floor now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. I would love to hear a little bit about what it's like to work on set for other people as a performer. Like, what are your favorite and or most challenging parts of those shoots? 
Like everything else, it's super varied. Sometimes it's great and sometimes it's awful. But I always have in my head, like if I can make my performers feel the way I feel when I step onto Aiden Starr's set, I'm succeeding. Like that is my goal is to make my performers feel like I feel when I shoot for Aiden Starr. Aiden Starr is a performer turned director. She directs for Evil Angel, but she's been around for many, 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 many years, both performing and producing. Does a lot of like femdom stuff, but not exclusively. She also runs the evil imprint Pansexual X, which shoots a lot of like bi threesomes and trans scenes and all kinds of things. And she's just so cool. She makes you feel so safe and yet it's so much fun. And she like, I'll never forget the amount of care. I was working for this other guy. It's how I first met her. I was working for this other guy, but he was, Aiden was doing camera for him. He was directing, but also kind of performing in these fetish clips. And I remember this one scene, I had been tied sort of doggy style on like a spanking bench and the director performer ended up like coming all down my back which sort of ran like down my butt towards my vulva and legs and right after we cut Aiden comes over with baby wipes and since I'm tied the grip and the director are working on untying me but she comes over and she's got baby wipes and she's like would you like me to wipe the cum off of you and I was like yes thank you for asking and she starts wiping the cum and then she's like is it all right if I wipe your vulva area? And I was like, yes, thank you for asking. And just like that level of care and consent yeah. is like, unfortunately not found on every side. Like, first of all, many people wouldn't have even thought to be like, oh, she's tied up and covered in cum. Maybe I should step in and help. But yeah. then even if someone does have that thought, I don't know how many people would have thought like once they'd already gotten consent to touch that yeah. like, also there's going to be a wipe on your vulva. Like it was just yeah. so nice of her. And everything she does is that way and is so considerate and so great. So sometimes it's really nice and sometimes it's a lot more like, well, you're on your own out there type okay. of vibe. Like I wouldn't say I've necessarily worked for any legitimate professional directors who themselves feel like scary and unsafe, but there is a distinction between like, often it feels like if there were a problem, it's kind of on you to take care of it. They are not necessarily looking out for you the same way that someone like Aiden is, or I would like to think someone like me is. Like one thing we do is there's like a pre-screening survey that everybody fills out to shoot for Queer Crush, which number one captures things like their social media handles and exactly how they want their name spelled and what's going to go in the bio and how they want their gender listed on the website and pronouns and things like language they do or don't want used, that type of thing. Also collects their testing requirements. There's been like a lot of weirdness in the industry lately and the testing centers are sort of fragmented right now. So I always like to ask people like, which of the testing centers are you comfortable with your partner testing at? Things like that. And then also I ask for preliminary boundaries and things. So we have those in advance of the shoot. But then there is a point in my shoot checklist, like as we're going through the day, where I say to the talent, if you guys could please go over limits and check each other's tests. And they don't need to literally show me like, here is my test. But I do make sure that both me and my videographer, Dahlia Von Knight, my business partner with whom I could not function, like thank you, Dahlia. I could not do what I do without her. I make sure that we are both in the room while this happens and that we both hear the limits that they are discussing. And that means, should there be an issue, even if maybe one of the performers is a little nervous to say on camera, like, hey, you just did that thing I say not to do, me and Dahlia both know to be like, hang on, we need to hold or cut for a second. I noticed that this happened. I want to check in with everybody, which actually, fortunately, has not happened thus far in our 50 oh today was our 50th scene i didn't <gasps> realize in Congratulations. Our 50 scenes, thank wow. you in our 50 scenes i have not yet actually had to stop the action because someone did something violating a limit but okay. 
I make sure that we all have the knowledge so that we would know if that happened. And that is not, a lot of times a director isn't even like, and did you guys go over tests? It's just like kind of on you to make sure that that's happening. Wow. Okay. So it sounds like you really have to advocate for yourself no matter what, but just, you know, okay. Can you share with us what you have noticed or learned about sex-related shame through your work? Shame can be such a block that is so impactful on more than sex. Like, I think this is one of the coolest things I've experienced. I am very queer. I'm very loudly queer. I love other people who are queer. I do a lot of work with, like, men who are bisexual. And even, like, I absolutely love shooting bi threesomes. A bi threesome in porn means two guys and a girl, but the guys actually have sex with each other, too. They're not just sharing the girl. It's everybody fucks. Um, Yeah, super hot. Love them very much. I shoot a lot of those and all kinds of things. And I try not to make it too fetishizing either. Like the industry loves to fetishize things. But for me, it's just like, I'm queer. They're queer. Like we're all, it doesn't feel any different to me than a threesome where it's one guy and two girls and the two girls are fooling around with each other, but porn likes to make it different. Whatever. I have had a lot of people, a lot of men or people who thought that they were men come to me and say, you know what? Thank you so much. I never would have realized I was bi if it weren't for you because like where they come from, that would mean there's something wrong with them. And because it's not like they are completely 100% homosexual. So maybe they just were like, I do like women don't need to think about it any more than that. And then through seeing like, ah, yes, I am attracted to this porn star, Electra Rain. Oh, what she's doing this threesome, or she's talking about her experience in this threesome. Wait, this interests me. Wait, what? And so that has been so rewarding and exciting too hearing like those stories in the way that I have impacted people's lives directly, but also goes to show, I think, just how much shame can cause people to leave unexplored. Yeah. It can freeze people in their tracks. It can stop them from exploring totally. Okay. Can you tell us like how your work has, this is going to be shame related or not. Can you tell us how your work has influenced or informed your own sex life? Well, there are some things that are like pretty direct and to the point. I had never used a cattle prod before. JP hit me with a cattle prod a few times on set. And I was like, wow, that's actually pretty fun. (laughs) There's obvious direct things like that. And then also, I think it's really motivated me actually to do a lot of this like re-self-exploration because I did so much self-exploration in college. And then I told you like after my surgery, then all these things, I've sort of been like stuck for a while in my own sexuality. And I think without my work, I wouldn't have had the same level of motivation to like push and to get this figured out. And I do feel like not only do I owe it to myself, I owe it to the audience of my website and I owe it to my performers and things to like figure out how to reconnect with my own sexuality if that's what I'm asking them to do on my site. So that's been really cool. Also, it is so fun getting to do, I mean, I guess I kind of touched on this with the first thing, but like, I think of porn a lot of the times like stunts. It's sex stunts. It is often not a guide for how any average person should be having sex. It's stunts. And that's just so cool and fun getting to do that. And also just getting to try like a little bit of everything. Just mm-hmm. yesterday, mm-hmm. I filmed an inflatophilia 
video, which is like inflatables, like big inflatables. So I was like pegging this guy on the various inflatables. And at the end of each position, I would pop them. And they were much harder to pop than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. It was very cool. But I had a nail like that you'd hit with a hammer and I was holding it like against my fingers so I could claw it because my nails aren't that long. But like I'd pop it with the nail and we would get a hole but it didn't make the type of noise I was yeah, thinking. Yeah. It didn't like all pop at once, even with us like bouncing on it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is beside the point. It is very cool getting to like microdose, try all of these different things. And I'm sure I'm trying to think, cause I know there are a couple other things where I was like, wow, I had no idea I was into X, Y, Z until I tried it from work. And unfortunately nothing is coming to mind right now, but it will probably come back to me. And I'll be like, oh, this thing. You can tell us when it does. What about the boundaries between your work life and your personal life? How do you kind of hold them, think about them, keep them? What's it look like for you? Really good question. This is something I've actually talked a lot about in my most recent two therapy sessions. Yes. So important note, my partner always has been like very monogamous. And I've known that I was poly since I was 16 And I had two boyfriends who knew about each other, are still friends, are both going on that camping trip next year. Actually, my two serious ex-boyfriends plus my best friend slash fuck buddy from college, like I was fucking until I met my now wife. I have a book club, three of them. Like literally they like read sci-fi books and talk about it together and they like know each other because of me. So I think that's pretty like cool and fun. So cute. Yeah. Right. But so I've known I was poly for a really long time. And so we were largely monogamous for most of our relationship. And we just kind of like, did a lot of group stuff. And that was great for a really long time. And then I realized I was starting to feel very like stifled. And I also struggle. I grew up in effectively an abusive relationship, but it wasn't a romantic relationship. It was my best friends who were twins. I wasn't allowed to have feelings. I wasn't allowed to have other friends. Like even like there were a couple times where like they were out sick and when they found out I had hung out with someone else at recess when they were out of school, I was completely shut out, like literally silent treatment ignored for the rest of the week afterwards. Yeah. But like, I didn't really have other friends to turn to because I wasn't. Yeah. And it would be like, if I so much as expressed like, Hey, that thing, one of you did upset me a little bit. Both of them are suddenly very mad at me. Like it was a whole thing. So that has left me with like lasting issues surrounding boundaries in relationships and things. For a long time, I would simply feel guilty having fun without my partner present. Even though like the actual actions I may be taking were not at all problematic, even for a monogamous relationship. Like I remember once calling my now wife from San Francisco. I was out there with a friend and she'd introduced me to a bunch of her friends. And we were having this very cool like fire circle and doing like all this painting with glitter paints and they like decorated my jeans and it was all very fun and none of it was problematic from a like relationship monogamy standpoint and I ended up having a panic attack and I had to call her and she was like it's okay like I am also at a party with our friend like I am also having fun I'm not mad at you so it's been this whole big process and what that means is being a sex worker in an otherwise pretty much monogamous relationship has been really tricky and I don't like to fuck off camera. Like, I don't mean like in general, I never ever have sex on camera. I mean like on set. There are some people, like I've seen it happen, even like I've been in group scenes where two of the people have this connection where it's like, they're just going to fuck the whole time. And great when the camera's rolling, great. And the director might call cut, but they're just going to keep fucking because they're having a great time. Wait, really? Yes. And when I've seen it, it's clearly been like, we are on the same page. We are mutually enjoying yeah. this. We're having fun. And I was like, that is great for you guys. Wow. But for me, I'm like, 
I need to save my energy for the scene. Like even if I was into it and then also somewhat of an emotional boundary, definitely a relationship boundary. And just pretty recently, my wife and I like officially for real opened our relationship up after last year doing a little experiment where I was dating this guy. And it ended up being a disaster because he sucked and got like hardcore dumped. But it was great for my relationship with my wife. It went so much better than we thought from a us standpoint and so much worse than I expected from a me and that guy standpoint. But that was all him. So pretty recently, we're like, no, okay, we're going to like do the open relationship thing, which is really exciting for me. The timing is a little not excellent because, again, I have a hysterectomy in eight days. That's going to lead to like at least two weeks of not leaving the house and another two weeks of like the doctor specifically said like you could go to the store, but, you know, park really close to the store and maybe you're running the one errand, not three, which doesn't lend itself super well to like meeting and fucking and dating new people. But that's okay, Like it'll happen. It's edging. You're right. It's edging. Wow. Thank you. (laughs) Even just like last weekend, I was on a shoot trip in Oakland. I didn't do anything that I wouldn't have been allowed to do before. Like it all would have been fine, but it did feel different. Just the fact that like I shot for Crash Pad and I did it with this girl that like I really do like. And it was really cool like doing the scene and like really liking her. And then I spent like the whole weekend with her. And it was very like very classic queer platonic. Like we ended up with matching bracelets and like where at the shop where I bought this dress and I like won her a reversible octopus plushie and an arcade and like all kinds of very cute and fun things. But then also like I did this femdom scene with this guy Ruckus whom I've worked with before. Love him. Great guy. It was this femdom edging scene. We had talked about like, I'd probably do like some hand job and then some fucking and some more hand job. And it was very much like I control like when you come or not type of deal. But we just had like such good connection and chemistry that we ended up doing like all the edging with fucking, which is pretty like challenging to do. And I ended up like making him come even though like we were using condoms, which sometimes he has difficulty coming with condoms although they were my special pull tabs condoms that I love very much even though I didn't do anything differently than I would have before like we weren't having sex off camera I wasn't like maybe another time we'll, like whatever it still did feel really different and even though, like my wife has told me repeatedly like you're allowed to enjoy the sex you have on camera like even mm-hmm. when we were not open it still feels really different in my like chest and soul yeah. Being like, no, but like, whatever, trying to connect with this person that I like in this scene versus like, nope, this is business, like stay in a business box and just do your scene. Mm. So that was really cool and exciting. And I think there's a lot for me to explore there. Coming That's up. so fun. I'm so glad to hear you're having that. I loved it. I love friends of the pod colliding in these sexy ways. Okay. Could you please circle back to the pull tab condoms? Yeah. So inspired by a quest to find a smaller fitting non-latex condom because I am allergic to latex. I found this brand called Unique and they have a smaller size. They have regular size as well. And in fact, it's only the regular that has the pull tabs. It's non-latex. It almost feels like really, really, really thin plastic wrap. It's not rubbery the way even like a skin condom is. And they have these pull tabs on the sides and you put it on by just pulling the tabs, which unrolls it. And then the tabs disconnect. So you don't have to touch the penis to put the condom on. It also comes in four different sizes. 
even the smaller ones have like this disc at the base. It almost kind of looks like a flower. And when you open it, it has a little sticker on it that says penis this side. So you know which direction it goes. The sticker does come off. So they don't have to wear a thing that says penis this side. But you just hold the flower and you just, "Eh," and it goes on and it's so easy and they're so nice. And they've also been really great for, I had a client who came to see me at the ranch and we were like getting him ready, doing hand stuff. He had a great boner. Then I put the condom on and go to do blowjob and he like starts getting soft right away. And he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I am not trying to complain about the condoms. I know that they are really important. I just, I haven't had sex with a condom in 20 years. And he starts getting like really flustered and concerned. And I was like, you know what? Don't worry about it. I got these other kind we can try. We went with a unique condom. Boom. Rock hard boner. Great party. No problems at all. And so I use them all the time now with anybody who like, may possibly have issues with a condom. They've been so great. Like even Ruckus was like, whoa, yeah, like I can't usually come in a condom, but they're really cool. They allow for much better heat transfer and they sort of like adhere to the skin a little bit. Also, they say on them that you can use them with any type of lube. I haven't tested that out. The idea of oil and a condom still makes me nervous, but I don't get as concerned about like using a massage oil and then switching to sex or something like that. Like I maybe wouldn't pour coconut oil right all over the condom, but I'm less nervous otherwise. So yeah, big fan. I'm not sponsored by them. This is not a a hard sell for you, Nika. I'm, I want to go try it. (laughs) I know. I I should. Oh, the other cool thing too is, you know, you're not supposed to put a condom in your wallet. People do it, but you're not supposed to, but these come in a little like business card size packet that is hard plastic and inside it is the three condoms and it's made so that you actually could put that container in your wallet the hard plastic protects them okay anyway big fan wow that's so cool you're so full of wisdom okay tell us now what have you learned about cultural norms through your work that has either surprised you and or that you would like to shift male bisexuality needs to be a lot more talked about and it is but okay so when i started in porn in 2015 there was this idea that all women are bisexual and there is no such thing as a bisexual man it used to be if you were a gay man or if you were a male performer and you did one gay porn scene that was it you're a gay performer now you are not allowed to perform in straight porn and it's a holdover from the aids crisis which makes absolutely no sense because we're all doing anal and also or like many people are doing anal and we're all tested at the same place on the same schedule like there's nothing inherently more risky but that was a thing for a long time and through the work of some really cool people like lucy hart the crossover star emerged and crossover means you are a guy who does gay porn and straight porn. And so now you have the bisexual threesome, which is considered straight porn, which is like so dumb. I hate the way like lesbian porn is also considered straight porn. It's very stupid and exhausting. What? I didn't know that. Could appeal to straight men is basically what, like if you go on Pornhub and they'll be like, do you want to see straight or gay? The lesbian is going to be under straight in that circumstance. Okay. Which gets really confusing for categorizing things like our content, which is lesbian content that was not made for the male gaze. Although I will say, like, if you are a straight guy and you like lesbian porn, you probably still like our website. Maybe not like 
this scene here or there might not be your taste, but in general, you're still going to like most of it. And you are still invited to come watch and support us. It is helping the community when you give us your money. Thank you. But I wanted it to be more real. That was all. And I feel like we've been pretty successful. But so things I'd like to see change. It's already like really great progress that now we have buy threesomes, we have crossover performers or whatever. I just wish it would stop being so fetishized. I also wish that there would stop being the expectation on all women to be bisexual, both Mm -hmm. because they don't deserve to have that kind of pressure put on them. And also because I'm tired of working with people where you start shooting and you're like, oh, she's straight. Mm, yep. Yep. That's not. Oh, that, would that doesn't so feel good. Yeah. yeah. So that's my big thing that I would like. Same with like, I wish there was more space for trans mask performers and for non-binary performers. And I wish a lot of these types of queer identities could exist without being so hardcore fetishized. And I do think that like, especially with more and more creators producing their own content, we will see more and more shifting. I just wish like, yeah. All right, like it's time. And like the process has been happening for at least six years. Really, it's been longer, but like I've been witnessing it change for six years. And I'm like, chop, chop, you guys. Fuck yeah. What would you say you're most excited to explore in your work going forward? Like on a personal note. So again, I'm having a hysterectomy in eight days. And not only that inherently, it's supposed to help address chronic pelvic pain that I've had my entire life. So that in and of itself is going to change sex a little bit. But it also means no uterus means no IUD. And I kept my IUD after my sterilization because I haven't had a period since I was 17. I didn't really feel like going back to that, especially since I don't need my period to tell me I'm not pregnant. I don't have fallopian tubes. I know I'm not pregnant. So I've had the IUD since I was 17. And I started birth control when I was 13 or 14. So it's been over a decade. It's been like really like half my life, my entire life since puberty that I have been on outside hormones. So I am about to, for the first time ever, not be on outside hormones and have the best shot at reduced or none pelvic pain that I've ever had. I'm very, very, very excited, both personally and professionally, to get to see all the new things that my body possibly can do. And I'm excited to get to do it on camera in a lot of ways. Oh my gosh, that's such an exciting moment. And then for the website specifically, we're still pretty small. We're just under 300 subscribers right now. We've only been around for like eight months, but we did just have a scene selected for the San Francisco Porn Film Festival. And we're doing some events. Thank you. Some events towards the end of the year. Like we're a Violet sponsor for Las Vegas Pride, which happens in October, because if they did a Pride Parade in Las Vegas in June, there would be no survivors. Yeah. (laughs) And then we'll be at the Exotica Convention in November and in December. So I'm just excited for the website to grow. I'm excited for it to start making its own money would be cool so I can give more money to performers. I'm excited for our content to be exposed to new audiences. I'm excited to get their feedback. Someday I would like to make a feature or even like a few features a year because our scenes are very, they're not at all scripted and they're very honest. Like there's many scenes where you see me running in to refill their waters or get batteries, or you see the light stand for a second, or they ask, Dahlia real quick, like, wait, are we in the shot or something like that? And like, we leave all that in. We're very, very honest about the fact that like, here we are making this porno for you. Yeah. But it would be cool to do a couple of features and things eventually. And we'll need to have the budget to do that. And that budget comes from more people supporting the website. So I'm excited for everything the future holds for the site. That's so many exciting things. Okay, so if you could wave a magic wand and teach everyone around the world something about sex, what would it be? 
sex does not have to be defined by orgasm. It doesn't have to be all about orgasm. The goal does not need to be achieving orgasm. And in fact, it can be even better when that's not your focus. You're here. Any other hot work related or sex stories that you just have to share with us before you go? Or are you going to leave us hanging for your personal stories someday? I am going to leave you hanging for personal stories. Although I do feel like I threw a few good ones in there. You sure did. But I will say for people who don't have as much background as you do about the website, I will share a little bit about how we work and what we do. So like I said, QueerCrush.com is the only lesbian studio created entirely by actual sapphic folks. The production team and the performers are all either legitimately queer women or sapphic non-binary people. Our performers choose their own partners, except for occasionally they're like, no, please, Electra, find someone for me. And then I do my best. But really, like, we strongly encourage them to choose your own partner. They do their own styling, wardrobe, makeup. They can do no makeup if they want. We had a performer get really excited recently. We shot her two days in a row. And she texted me in advance. She's like, even the call sheet actually says, like, any amount of makeup from none to full glam is fine with us. She's like, is it okay if I wear no makeup? Like, I have some acne, but, like, it really feels more like me. And I was like, please. Like, we want you to be you. So they do their own styling. And then they get to do whatever they want in the scenes. Absolutely anything they want. We don't tell them what to do. We don't tell them what not to do. We don't cut and readjust. We don't anything at all. The only time we cut is for, like, a battery change on the camera or if the performers ask us to, which is pretty rare. The only one that comes to mind is we shot a real couple and one of them ended up moaning her partner's actual real legal (gasps) government name instead of performer names. Like, obviously we need to cut there. But otherwise, like we live in bloopers, lube usage, check-ins, talking on camera. We even tell them, I have a whole speech I give in the beginning about how like, you can be a real person. You can talk to each other. You can talk about things that aren't necessarily sexy. Like you just talk if you want to. You can say, I'm bored. Let's move on. Or like, nah, that doesn't really work for me. Because one of the most annoying things about being on like a pro set is when you're in a scene, cameras are rolling, you're actively shooting and your partner is like, oh yeah, are you about to come? Well, I'm not going to say no in the middle (laughs) of this scene. But I didn't really want to fake it. So I'm very clear in ours that you can be like, no, but it still feels really good. Or like, no, but if you do this, then maybe I would. Or like, no, but let's change it up. Or like, I don't really feel like coming right now. Like, those are all such valid answers. I've said some of those in real life. (laughs) Right. And that's what we're trying to show. It's real queers fucking the way they actually like to fuck. Having Mm. actual real fun. And that's the whole point of the website. It's all run by me and Dahlia, like 100%. So we love feedback. So if anyone's listening and you want to go subscribe and send us a message on the website and be like, here is my sincere, honest feedback, positive and negative. I love that. I can absolutely take it into account because there's no, well, I'll talk to corporate about it or whatever. Like it's just me and Dahlia. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Also, just if any of you want to give Electra feedback, make sure that if you have something you'd like to be different, that you say it nicely. I always think that any sort of feedback can be delivered with love, even if it's like, I want this different. Yeah, that's true. I typically try to specify, like, subscribe and give us feedback. Because I have gotten a handful of people, usually in TikTok comments, that are like, I went to the website and I watched a few of the trailers and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, okay, well, we have 50 full scenes, plus there's an interview for each one. You're telling me you watched a couple of trailers and decided you didn't like something? Like, maybe you don't have the most accurate full picture. And actually, I don't remember what it was that they were complaining about. But I do think it was something that actually, like, if they had seen more than three trailers, we would have already checked whatever box they were talking about. Right, right. 
Do you do the interviews at the end, at the beginning? Like what? At the beginning. Okay. We do it at the beginning. It's typically like introduce yourself. Have you two ever worked together before, met before? How did this pairing come to be? How and when did you realize you're queer? Which is pre-ask, like that survey that I mentioned asks if they're comfortable talking about that. That question is not just sprung on anybody randomly. There is like a pre-seen opt-in to that question being asked. And then like, what kinds of toys do you like? Are you more of a top or bottom? Recently, we've also been asking like, how did you pick your stage name? What is your earliest queer crush you can remember, (sighs) be it a celebrity or like a lifeguard or your babysit, like whoever it's going to be. But really, we just like try to get the performers talking, let the audience get to know them a little, let them get to know each other a little if it's people who maybe don't know each other as well. Because we've shot everybody up from like, We are literally married and drove here together and have sex every night because we're literally married to we've never met before. And at least one of the performers has been doing OnlyFans for a while, but has never made a video with somebody else. They've only ever done solo stuff. So like there's a wide range and it's fun to chat. We'll ask them if there's anything you're specifically hoping happens in the scene today or anything like you're most excited about that kind of stuff. We shoot them first and then the interviews come out Monday with the sex scene coming out the following Friday. So, like, we just released the interview yesterday where this Friday the sex scene will come out. Fuck yeah. What was your first queer crush? Looking back, from when I was born until I was four years old, I lived in, like, a little cul-de-sac. And there was a girl named Shannon who lived in one of their houses. And she's, I think she's about five years older than me, maybe. And looking back, absolutely, it was Shannon right from the beginning. But the earliest, like, celebrity or anything was... Lindsay Lohan, I had this Lindsay Lohan poster in my room and I didn't totally get it at the time, but it's so gay. She's like, she's standing in this like really wide squared stance and she's got her thumbs in her belt loops and she's just very like, here I am, like big energy. And I had that poster right next to my bed for a long time. That's amazing. Okay, help us end on a fantasy. If You had an unlimited budget to build a sexy playroom or house or castle or whatever sort of structure you prefer. It can either represent you, yourself, or your entire brand. What would it be like? It would definitely be very diverse. Since that tends to be the theme with me and all of my sex things, it would be like very convertible, very like, and then you slide away this wall or like collapsible thing. And then there's the doctor's office. But then if you come around this way, it's like a glitter dungeon and that like it would just have so many different options and also probably a lot of like rolling carts because that ends up being tricky when it's like, okay, so my sex toys and things mostly live in a big dresser, like a full like double size dresser for anyone who's ever been to Sherry's Ranch in the large rooms. They have these like double dressers. It's one of those same Ikea dresser across the hallway in my bedroom. But then I got to take stuff over here into the studio and it's not that big a deal. It's across one hallway, but I'm like working on this very long-term goal that would have me and my wife moving up to Oregon and would have like a separate guest house on the property that is the studio, which is great until you think, where are all of my sex toys? Are they in the studio building? Are they in the main house building? Do I have two of everything? Like that's a lot. I was going to fantasize for you that you have enough, like there's just such abundance, you know, because also your personal things, you wash them differently. Maybe. I don't know. Yes. Do you? Yes. Although I do use UV sterilizers for everything. Oh, the UV great. sterilizers have been a game changer and I take one of them with me to the ranch too. Do you? Um, it's been a huge game changer. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, we're going to get into the details of all of your sex toys when I talk to you personally. That'll be in our future. Maybe post hysterectomy a little bit. 
Yeah. Electra Rain, thank you so much for being a guest on Sex Stories. Where are the best places for people to find you on the internet? Obviously, the website is my labor of love, my passion project. That's just queercrush.com. And then for me, my website is chicagoslut.com. It's easy to remember. It's easy to spell. Electorain.net will get you to the same place, but harder to remember, harder to spell. And that's going to have my links to everything else that'll have social media and information about seeing me at the ranch. It'll take you to my page on the Sherry's Brothel website. I'll be back in September and onwards. If you'd like to come see me, I'd be happy to see you. Yeah, you can ask me any questions or anything there too. Fuck yeah. And those links are in the description below. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for having me. Lovely humans. Thank you for listening. If you appreciate the work that I put into this podcast, I would love it if you took the time to leave us five stars and a nice review wherever you get your podcast, especially Spotify, since last year's troll attack on our ratings is still affecting our ability to be found via search. (laughs) I do love getting to know you and hearing your stories and meeting you lovely humans in real life. And remember, if you want to collaborate, apply to be a guest or leave us a single story voice memo via xstoriespodcast.com or sexstoriespodcast.com. Sex stories are always going to be my favorite, but now I also have question lists for love, friendship, dating, relationships, marriage, divorce, secrets, and so much more so that we can learn about connection through each other's experiences. I fucking love getting your emails and voice memos and receiving thoughtful noodle messages. It truly is hearing from you that fuels this work for me. And if you want to go deeper with me, get to know me, and support this podcast in meaningful, concrete ways, find me on Patreon, OnlyFans, FetLife, Venmo, Cash App, and all social media platforms at Wiley, or work with me privately for photo and video shoots, relationship support, creative breakthrough sessions, and retreats. Wiley.com slash links is where you can find the list of all the ways to play with me, and the link is in the description below. Thank you for joining me to spread ripples of love, to co-create a world where taking care of each other is the norm. Thank you for spoiling and inspiring me with your stories and your support. Please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and remember to share stories in the name of lovely human connection.